listening to the Auxiliary Gate Podcast, Kentucky's weekly horse racing discussion. And now, here are your hosts, Alan Schneider, Brandon Jaggers, and me, C.C. Broadus. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year from the cast and crew. There's thousands of us now from the Auxiliary Gate podcast. The whole staff wants to wish everybody a Happy New Year. I'm CC Broadus, and I'm joined by Alan Schneider. Alan, first of all, we've got to hit on the big news. Dr. Dre has finally, he's finalized his divorce with his wife, and he's paid her $100 million uh, to settle. Uh, your thoughts? $100 million to settle? I would think we're in the wrong racket. The hell of podcasting, we should start some sort of a rap career, correct? Now, this, would, is a TM, this is a TMZ article that says he's worth about $800 million, but he signed a prenup. So uh, the wife is only going to, the ex-wife is only get, getting $100 million. That $50 million girl. this year. Yeah, $50 million this year, $50 million next year. I probably attributed some of that, you know, because I, I had his beats. So I guess I hooked him up a little bit. But yeah, we're in the wrong business, brother. We're we're in the wrong business. Who knew at some point that headphones would be a billion dollar industry? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I love them. I love my AirPods. Uh, I've got. A, I think I have my daughter's old generic Beats on right now. As a matter of fact, for this podcast. But uh, uh, we're an AirPod family around here. When you run like I do, and you drive as far as I do, and a wide, they come in so handy for a wide variety of things. So yeah, I mean, I wish I'd have seen it back in the day. You run in different circles than me. I just use my ears to yeah, listen to yeah. music. I'm really high dollar. I understand. Uh, how was your Christmas? Oh, fantastic. I'm off work for a week, uh, over a week. Or this is, I mean, this is life. Everybody asks me every year, what do I want? What do I want? My wife and kids try to spoil me. It's like, I don't need anything. They get me a lot of stuff, right. but I get a week off from work every year. That's, there is no better gift. Uh, I suppose there would be, but from what, uh, from the meager finances we have, yes, and this this week off is all I need. Uh, any New Year's plans? Uh, New Year's isn't uh, the Citrus Bowl is January first. You know, I I do enjoy I like horse racing, but I do enjoy my college football. Big Kentucky football fan, so January first. Far anymore. Saturday, yes, early Citrus Bowl against Iowa, Kentucky, and Iowa. Both those teams, I do believe, will make it to the field. A lot of the games are getting canceled for ridiculous reasons. We won't go into that, but as far as these two teams play, on, I think it's going to be one hell of a, a matchup and a fun one. So that's uh, that's how I'm going to get my new year started off properly. And I'm supposed to buy a house next year at some point, but we'll take care of the Citrus Bowl, Citrus Bowl thing first. Good enough. How about you, right. sir? Uh, I haven't I haven't thought that far ahead. It, I'm knee-deep in uh, mortgage loans, so it's going to be a long week for me. So I, mm, I, I'm sorry. I will uh, – I will – uh, take it a day at a time, and we'll worry about this weekend when it gets here. You got it, brother. Oh, I will be. Uh, I will be doing the uh, the Oaklawn sheet for Dan Dan Cronin this weekend, starting Friday. So. Oh, okay. You're really yeah. good at that, Mister Mister uh, Broadus is really good at that Oaklawn. He's an Oaklawn impresario. Yeah, it's it's you got to warm up the Oaklawn. It's like it's, I think you 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 take your time, and then you then you get into it about February March. That's when it starts to get interesting. But, uh, yeah, uh, looking forward to that. But uh, this podcast, number 86, we're going to dedicate this to 
airing our grievances. Uh, we're about a week late. I know that you're supposed to do that before Christmas. I guess that's a Festivus thing uh, if you watch Seinfeld. But uh, we uh, had a lot going on, so we're going to uh, to do, do a little catch-up. And we, we've got a lot of issues with, uh, with each other and with the game <laughs> racing. And we're just gonna we're just gonna let it go right now. And you know, if uh, I don't want to hurt your feelings, but if I have to, I will. You do what you got to do, brother. Yeah, and you do the same for me, and even our listeners. This is it's gonna be awkward at times. I'm gonna, you know, I don't want to hurt. I'm a, I don't want to make anybody cry. But uh, that's you know, we're we're gonna have to really uh, look deep inside ourselves. We're gonna have to, you know, it's soul searching. Let me ask you something before we start. This brings this comes. Everybody knows this comes from Seinfeld, one of the classic shows of the '90s. And I think I know where you lean. You probably know where I lean. Which show is better from the '90s, Friends or Seinfeld? This is first grievance right here. Uh, I I never watched Friends. I, I always oh. watched Seinfeld. Friends was not my jam. I think Friends is superior. I love okay. Seinfeld. I think I think the writing on Friends, the acting, and I'm probably in the minority. A lot of people here are going to bash you for it. I don't care. Go back and watch it. That show still holds up today. It's sort of Seinfeld. I just I, I don't have an opinion on Friends. I just never did watch it. I watched Seinfeld a little bit, but I mean I'm not a devoted Seinfeld fan either. It's a good show. It's a good show. You know, it is what it is. Right. Hit me. You ready? Yeah, you go ahead. All right. My first grievance. Grievance number one. I got something for Bob Evans, the restaurant. Huh? Bob Evans. Oh. Okay. Let me tell you what I did. So for the holidays now, my mom and I, we've decided we don't want to cook anymore. We There's, there's just two of us left. So now we we don't want to cook, so we'll go somewhere and order a pre, pre-cooked meal and bring it home and eat it. So last year we were spoiled with Malone's and Lexington. By the way, Malone's is the greatest restaurant in the history of mankind. We there's got a gift card. We got a gift card for one. Well, we need to hit it up at, uh, in April at Keeneland. Gotcha. There's three in Lexington. There's one in Louisville now. The the, the mm-hmm. one in Louisville may be superior because it's just beautiful inside. And last year we had smoked turkey and and it was just a phenomenal meal. It cost like five thousand dollars, but that's a different story. <laughs> Forget that. So they Malone's wasn't doing that this year. So our first trip was to Claudia Sanders in Shelbyville and had had Thanksgiving dinner there. And this. Uh, we wanted to change it up, so we were looking for something different. So we 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 found Bob Evans. They were doing a pre-cooked meal, so I I, I reserved it a week in advance, and for pickup on Christmas Eve. All right. So. Uh oh. Uh oh. Yeah. So 1:30 Christmas Eve, I left work early, and uh, I go down to to Bob Evans. Walk in. Hey, I'm here to pick up my meal. And the lady was uh, she was exasperated. The lady that's waiting on me. She said nobody showed up to work today. We're an hour behind. So, That's okay. everywhere. That's, That's everywhere. Yeah. Said, well, she said, actually, she said 30 minutes to an hour. We'll have it ready. I said, oh, that's fine. That's fine. She said, I've been cussed at all day. Everybody's been cussed. Well, no use cussing someone on Christmas Eve. So no. I uh, went to eat. I think I went up at Chick-fil-A. I came back at 2.30, and there was a lot of people there. I waited and waited and waited. waited 30 minutes. Nobody came out from, from the kitchen, and we were just waiting. So... Uh, my order is supposed to have been ready at one thirty. I'm there at three. Some dude walks out of the back of the kitchen and says, We are out of food. I'm sorry. Oh we are out God. of food. Ouch. Which, so I had to line up and give him my credit card number and my name and my phone number. And it is now Tuesday night at seven o'clock and I have not received my refund. Sixty three dollars. 
mind you. Mm. And I have not received my, my, my refund. And I've called, let's see, I called the Bob Evans main office uh, on Monday. And then Tuesday, I sent an email and I have not heard a response from either. Bob Evans, you got one week to solve this. By the next podcast, this is not solved. We're going to have problems. Yeah. I may wind up owning that place. (laughs) Uh, That that, that touches on some bigger issues, obviously, where the worker shortage is everywhere. Yeah, yeah, everywhere. But that's that's no excuse for them not to touch on that. And uh, it is everywhere. And, you know, our real grievances could be what's going on in the country, but we'll just keep it to horse racing. But at where I work, we have monstrous worker shortage. We never had that before. Uh, but Bob Evans does need to make it right to you. And I guess they don't realize that you're broadcasting to an audience of millions, correct? And it's I in their best no interest. Problem. I, I have no problem with them running out of food. I know there's supply chain issues and there's yeah. issues, with, but they had my, they had my phone number and my email address. It would have been nice if they could have just shot me a, a text or a, or yeah. a phone call or email and say, Hey, you know, we're going to, we're going to be late or we may not do it at all. Just, just want to make sure you want to, you want to re-up your order or not, or, yeah. So, I'm upset. I'm I can upset. understand. We, we're, like, we're, we're teetering on the, on the brink. Gotcha. All right, all right. Well, can I go? I got a couple of my right. ones to start yeah, we'll, with. We'll alternate. We'll alternate. Okay. Uh, this one's actually horse racing, but I understand his, his. Well, I guess it's not really horse racing, but a couple minor things. Churchill Downs, the Gold Room. I enjoy going to the Gold Room. CC enjoy going enjoys going to the Gold Room. The people up there are wonderful. We have absolutely no complaints. Just one minor one. Me, I I, I wish they would. We need a better beer selection up there in that Gold Room. Uh, they have Miller Lite, they have Bud Light, and they have Coors Light. And don't get me wrong, Miller Lite's my default beer. I, but I don't care for the other two. But man, you know, every once in a while, you like a Dos Equis, you like a Newcastle Brown Ale, right? You, you a harp, some uh, some Fosters, uh, I, Sam Adams, but just maybe expand that beer menu up there a little bit. Maybe get draft beer back in the track. By the way, they don't have a whole lot of draft beer in the racetrack, but that's one minor one. I know CC doesn't drink a lot of beer, so he probably doesn't care that much about that, right? Well, I mean, there's a lot of people in there that bet a lot of money. You you want those people to come back. Right. I, I appreciate it. And I love everything about it and stuff, but come on, let's expand that beer menu. That's an easy one to do. And I know our friend Rob actually uh, wants to know what, where's something Rob had. I'll have to get back to that on Rob, what, what he wants food wise well, up there in the gold room. But, while you're uh, looking up Rob Benefield, I got something for him and his, and uh, Stephanie is, I believe is his fiance. Rob, Rob, your beard is not sexy. It's not, <laughs> it's really not. Yeah, we, I, yeah, she, uh, I, this I think I've heard this two or three times that she thinks the beard is sexy. I think. It, oh, really? No, I think there's a colony of ants that live in there. <laughs> so yeah, Rob, this is for you. You know, your beard's not sexy. I don't. I'm sorry. That's well, I, I mean, yeah, but at the same time, I have a beard, so that actually kind of makes me feel. You know, so are you telling me I need you to don't shave claim it to be sexy? Mine's not sexy. <laughs> Mine looks like when I grow my beard out, I look like Uncle Jesse from Dukes of Hazzard. <laughs> Okay, fair enough. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, but yeah, so I, I'm sorry to hear. That. I'm sorry you probably don't want to hear that, Rob. But um, sorry, Rob. Sorry. But with, with Rob, to touch on what Rob was, uh, t- he wants to know why they don't toss the wings in the hot sauce in the gold room. Uh, he wants hot wings, not plain wings with dipping sauce. Uh, apparently, that's a big deal for him. And uh, what he want, he thinks there's something wrong with the potato wings. He says since Derosa left, perhaps they don't pay as much attention to the potato skins i don't know i've never had either so 
I've never had I the just, wings. I don't know. The, yeah. the chicken tenders are just amazing. Everything they, I mean, the chili's great, but yeah. uh, probably I, I to get love that. setting out on the broadest balcony. That that the only thing that's missing out there is TV sets. They need more TVs. I think. I don't know. They got plenty of TVs outside. They, they do, but you got to walk. You know, if you want to sit down, you got to walk from place to place, and they don't have every every racetrack going. I just I, I would I want to see a wall of TVs out there. Uh, I will say that like one of the times we went out there recently, we had a bunch of people. And we almost got in a fight out there, and uh, we we toned it down. We we uh, a lot of people don't know, don't know this wherever, we, but there was the, we, we didn't did not I we did didn't not. I stopped it. We we stopped before it got out of hand with some uh, people who had had too much to drink or whatever. But the next I'll just say the next time that that does happen, if, uh, there won't be no there will be no uh, white uh, trying to calm things down. There'll be people going over that balcony. So <laughs> anyway. I'm here to make love. Yeah. Uh, one other thing, one minor thing before we we move on. JJ Heisel, our co-host, uh, who helps us out a lot, just a tremendous talent, just an amazing, uh, just an amazing woman, uh, great handicapper, incredibly professional, incredibly prepared. I one of my grievances, why hasn't anybody hired her yet? Uh, she is fantastic. I say it over and over again. If you've listened to this podcast, you know I'm right. And I do have had some help at Churchill or whatever. Maybe uh, looking to get her uh, a little more involved in the game. She used to write for the Courier Journal. And that's a big grievance of mine. J.J. High Cell. Caitlin Free got uh, rightfully got hooked up. And uh, she's going to be fantastic. But it's time we get J.J. High Cell a little more involved in the game. So if you're listening to this podcast, c- contact J.J. High Cell. She's going to be on the show. If you don't believe me, listen to some of our previous podcasts with her on. And CC will back me up on this. She's fantastic. I agree 100%. She is outstanding. She loves the game. She loves, loves, it. She the loves game. it more than I do, and that's going. That, that's saying a lot. So yeah. And you're not going to find anybody more professional, more intelligent. I go on and on and on, and she needs to be prevalently featured in this game. And it would be in, in every some racetracks or ADW or somebody in their best interest to hire her. And uh, so I've said it a million times. I'm getting sick and tired of saying it, but contact JJ Heisel, y'all. And um, You'll be better for it. Your turn. I got something for Sack. Oh, the Sakai wonderful Sack. She was one of our first guests on our pod. One of the best people on earth. She's what could she have done me. wrong? She's avoided oh. me like the plague. And I'm, I'm, my, initially, my feelings were hurt. Now I'm just angry because I, I think she's doing it on purpose. At first, I thought it was a you know, mistake or, you know, just things didn't, you know, we didn't cross paths. Now I think she's avoiding me on purpose. So she's in the she's in the keys. <laughs> well, I'm not. Oh, fair enough. Fair I'm enough. in the keys of Bloomfield, Kentucky. That's where I'm at. <laughs> so Sack, I got a, I got something for you. I'm I'm coming looking for you this spring. <laughs> I'm sure that can be rectified. I'm sure that can be rectified. You think she'll file a EPO against me? After that, maybe. But you know, she knows you. She knows you're. You just. Is that right? EPO? Or is that that's a horse racing term, right? No, emergency or, protective order, right? Well, EPO is also a type of a like a performance enhancer. Oh. Okay. Yeah, yeah we'll talk, that's, that's for another podcast. Yeah. Okay. All right, Zach, make sure you get in contact with Mr. CC Broadus, okay? No, don't don't do it because you feel obligated. Don't I don't <laughs> I don't want to hear about it now. Okay. Bring up some Bob Evans too while you're at it if you don't care. She can she can cook better than Bob Evans. So That'd be a rectification. I get I get one pre cooked meal next next Thanksgiving. You got that right. All right. Can I hit a big one for myself? Can I hit a big one? Go ahead. Uh, 
if, you know, some of the things I'm going to bring up or some of the things I've talked about briefly on here in the past, if you've listened to this podcast and if you have, thank you. If you haven't, I don't blame you. Uh, jockey bashing. You tell somebody drives me nuts, draw jockey bashing online. I can't stand it. Uh, I, people will, I don't know, it's because of their degeneracy. They will just automatically turn on the jockey after a bad ride. Or what well, they had to be a bad ride just because the horse they selected didn't win. Now, when when that when when they have a winner, they don't you know discredit the other jockeys in a race who may have made poor decisions to help them win. They don't do that. They take all the credit. But when they lose, they bat, these these jockeys are they're athletes. Uh, they make split second decisions. I'm not a fan of that at all. Uh, and you know if if you personally believe that uh, jockey John Smith is a bad rider and you bet him and he loses, isn't that part of the handicapping game, right? If you believe he's a bad jockey and you bet him anyway, then who's at fault, the jockey or you, right? I am not a fan of jockey bashing. I'm not saying, now, if they were to, um, if you know they cheat, if you know they're stifling their racehorse, they're not trying to the wire to fill out your trifecta or superfecta, that's that's understandable. For the most part, these guys are making split-second decisions. I and mean, you've got these, you know, I'm not a big believer in cyberbullying anyway. I think it's a, it's a, it's a version of cyberbullying. And I'm sure some people can disagree with this. I I don't care. I think it's I think it's really I think it's bad. And well, I think the issue is I think people when they send out a tweet or something like that, they don't they don't think that people are actually reading that. They're thinking their their friend, their their close friends maybe are reading it, just like we would be at the tracks. Like, yeah, this guy, he's a terrible rider. You know, I'll say that amongst friends. Yeah, you, you, you do that online. Those guys are after, they're after read that because they're they're back in the jocks room, uh, you know, searching their searching the internet for their name and they you know see, see those tweets pop up. I just yeah, I, I think it's rude. I, I I think it's rude, and we've had a lot of jockeys on here, and we enjoy having them on. And I remember we had Brian Hernandez on recently, and he he actually told us that he made a bad ride one day. They know when they make a bad ride. They they don't need us telling them. They're they're out there. They're competitors. They're trying to do what they can do. And again, if uh, I never hear anybody bitch about another jockey's ride when they win a race, right? Uh, maybe two or three jockeys had made poor decisions to let your horse win. You don't say anything then, right? I, I think it's a bad look. I don't care for it, and I'm sure the jockeys don't. And again, as I mentioned earlier, if you if you know a jockey's stifling your horse, that's one thing. It, it happens. We all know that happens. But they're out there trying, and a bunch of out of shape fifty year old guys, uh, you know, passionate bunch of guys are in tremendous shape. I, it's just not me, but. That's one of my big ones. You're next. Brandon Jaggers. Oh, gee whiz. Our co-host who's not here tonight again. I want to, I want to harp on his uh, wagering prowess. Uh, <laughs> Brandon, the, the 50 cent pick threes have got to stop the, the four, four by, by three, four by three by fives. They, they got to stop. That's you're admitting that you don't have an opinion on a race when you go four by three by five. Yeah. Yeah. We love Brandon. But if the very well, least you're gonna love is love is a it's a hard word. I don't know if I, I would say love. I, I I like. Speaking of, I've got a uh, anonymous uh, uh, message to uh, our Twitter uh, Twitter page, the Auxiliary Gate Podcast. Uh, gate was it underscore Gate Podcast or something something like yeah. that. Uh, this uh, this is not really a grievance. It, this uh, anonymous texter, anonymous tweeter says, I love it when Brandon is on the podcast. I listen to it every time uh, he's on, especially before I make love to my husband. Please have Brandon on more. 
Really? Yeah, I wonder this, who that is. Uh, it's anonymous. I don't know. I don't know who it is. Oh, my goodness. Oh, yeah. God. That's saucy. That's kind of saucy. Wow. Uh, my next turkey that I want to pluck <laughs> is the Kentucky Horse Racing Commission. We're going to get a little more serious here. I watched their, their I think it's their November meeting when they grant they grant uh, permission for dates and whatnot for the coming uh, two, 2022 season. And what I specifically wanted to watch is how they treated Ellis Park. Because yeah. one of the things that I will always remember from the 2021 meet is how bad the camera work was. The, the camera work was pitiful. They, they switched to HD. And I, I don't I don't know much about that, but, you know, HD camera work is supposed to be clear. It should have been a better viewing experience, but the, the camera work was terrible. The many times they would uh, they would show the race and, they would, you know, the cameras bobbing up and down. And then suddenly the, the horses would race out of the picture and you'd have nothing but dirt. I thought for sure that the khrc meeting they would point some of this stuff out and ask them what are you going to do to improve your hd product next year but that, that question never did pop up they're more concerned about night racing they want night racing so bad at ellis which i you know i don't care one way or the other there's a lot of tracks that race at night in the midwest over the summer but and i think I, I think Rick Hiles was there. Maybe I, I may have my meetings mixed up, but he was he was kind of against that. He's like, you know, we're racing in the central time zone. We've got horses shipping from the eastern time zone. You know, we we may have guys get back to Louisville at one o'clock, or if they have to go to Lexington, they'd get back at two in the morning. I, you know, yeah. he wasn't sure night racing was the thing to do, but I I, I was hoping that they would uh, they would kind of pick on ellis a little bit about the racetrack experience and uh, you know we've made on this podcast before we've talked about how bad how poorly those bathrooms are in the main grandstand they, they it's an embarrassment it is there and every urinal is filled up with mountain dew and yellow depends on what you, what you yeah drink. if you're and, lucky and then you, know, you 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 go to wash your hands and there's brown water coming out of the the faucets it's really disgusting but you know, it kind of goes to show maybe these guys on the commission aren't really tuned in to what they're really supposed to be looking at. Uh, uh, you know, and keep in mind, this is the same commission that's supposed to to rule on the Kentucky Derby debacle yeah, with uh, yeah. Medina Spirit, and they haven't done so yet. As, I've, as of right now, I'm calling for a vote of no confidence in this commission. I'm just not I'm, – I'm a little concerned about who's running the show. And unfortunately – I think the commissioner, the head commissioner, maybe David Richardson. I think he passed away uh, this year, so there may be a void in leadership there. I hope, I hope not. But uh, I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of concerned about our leadership locally. Yeah, I'll I'll go on. I'll I'll jump ahead on a couple of mine real quick to piggyback on what you you brought up there. Number one, the night racing. I love night racing, but the horsemen don't. Okay. Uh, by and large, it's 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 hard because they got to race the next day. Yada yada yada. I know uh, Michelle Lovell had one, uh, our good friend, and one of hers was night racing. It. She's not a big fan of night racing, and that's with her winning a two hundred seventy-five thousand dollars stakes here this meet. It's. Uh, but again, it's it's tough on the horsemen. We enjoy it. It's not only hard on the horsemen. It's uh, hard on the the staff there, the analysts, the workers. 
God knows who all else or whatever. I can imagine how big a, big a thing it is. So before we get too much into grievance, I should thank a lot of people for pulling that off. I know it's tough work, but at the same time, people like Michelle and so many other trainers it's, and jockeys and God knows who all else. It, it is it is tough. That, that was her grievance. I know she speaks for a lot of people in that regard. But back to Ellis a little bit, uh, to touch on a little bit with what you were saying with Ellis. We, we've discussed this before on the pod, and we've reached out to Ellis They've they've been the one track who's been a little bit cold to us. I will say that it's a little disappointing because we are big fans of Ellis. And I, I will tell you that my my wagering dollar has subsided greatly over the last couple of years because of some of the things that have happened there. And one of the things I bring maybe on behalf of the horsemen, I, I don't think they have enough lesser races there anymore. I think everything's been catered to two year olds. Not that that's not a bad thing, but I mean you I know you agree with the CC. It's like some of the the weaker the, the lesser races for the everyday horsemen don't seem to be there, right? Am I right about that? Yeah, well, there, yeah, there's things they could do, I think, to, to recruit some new horsemen. That's that's something we've talked about this ad nauseum before is some of those guys that uh, used to fill the, the race cards back in the day. They're not around anymore. They've, they've, they're gone. They, yeah, they migrated elsewhere. Uh, they, that's where the Ellis charm comes in at. Right. Right. The Carol Cobbs and the Jerry Joe Greenwells and and, you know, the. Uh, Kelly Ackerman and uh, yeah, yeah, those guys they're they're just not around and and the reason is I mean yeah you've got three two year old races on every card and you know it, they're not as easy to handicap as they used to be. Agreed, I'd agree with that. But uh, yeah, it's uh, that's that's something I I think about and everything you mentioned too. I think uh, of of the racetracks in Kentucky, they're all trending upward. Quite frankly, Churchill is Keeneland. Keeneland's always gonna be Keeneland. Uh, Turfway is. Uh, Kentucky Downs. Ellis is the ones like, look, man, get off your ass, get off your ass, man. Well, Ellis is opening the uh, the new quote slots parlor in the quote in Owensboro. That should really help out their purses. So I mean, but you know, I just want to see. It, my biggest problem with the two year old races it's Brad Cox, Brendan Walsh, Ian Wilkes, Steve Asmussen, yeah. Eddie Keneally. It's like the same eight trainers have a just horse shuffle. in every race, and you just, just you know. You're trying to guess. It, you have enough of them in there. The, the little guy who's got one when he thinks he can run is he's not. He might beat one or two. Years. He's not going to beat all five, all six of them, right? Right. I would just like to see those guys. But I'm always going to be in, on behalf of the smaller guy. One of my grievances is Perry. You should be in the Hall of Fame. I mean, I'll say it to the day I die. Uh, he should be in. He should be in the Hall of Fame. I, I would. Uh, Mario Pino should be in the Hall of Fame. He's got seven thousand wins. I, I. I think more people need to look on look out on behalf of these guys who make up the backbone of the day to day racing. Uh, not just the elites, not just the elites. So I think all that kind of ties in together. Uh, can you hear another one of Big Mine? You want a big one of mine? Sure. Well, wait a minute. I might have one. Go I ahead. I have a tweet that ties into what you're getting ready to, to uh, I think. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to gamble here and read a tweet and see if this okay. is uh, what you're getting ready to. We'll see if we're on the same wavelength. But this is Probably. from Steve, Steve Gilfeather. He says, I take issue with racing analysts providing tickets that they don't believe in or have strong opinions. There should be confidence intervals associated with each analyst selections. Yeah, yeah right on. You guess. Yeah, I knew it. You I guess. knew it. <laughs> uh, you, I don't bitch about much, Steve, but we're on the same wavelength. I, it is, it's the, maybe, I mean, the jockey bash and I have a problem with, but I, the, the nonstop pick four, pick five tickets. I, there was a network that I used to have when, when I first got into online wagering or, I dropped that network a long time ago. I don't want to go any names. You guys can guess who it is because um, because that nonstop barrage of pick four, pick five, pick five tickets. 
it, it drives me absolutely batshit crazy. Um, just continuously pushing horizontal wagering. There's other forms of wagering, number one. You're not teaching people how to wager. You're coming up with these generic caveman tickets. And if you lose, and if they lose, they just go right on to the very next one. And it's like if nothing ever happened, there's no accountability. There's no ROI. It's the same. It's not telling you how to, to bet uh, in a layered fashion. Maybe it's, it's the same generic $32, $48, $60 ticket. And that, the guys at Churchill don't do that. That's why I'm, I know they're friends of mine for the most part. I, I respect them. They don't do that. They go a little bit different angle. Number one, number one, they're only commenting on the track that they cover. They're not giving you a pick five ticket to Prairie Meadows or uh, Rotama Park that they don't know anything about. I, I believe, I've told you before, I believe that's malfeasance. If you don't know the circuit that you're, if you do not know the circuit that you're um, covering well enough to give out a $60 pick, then you should not be doing it. The guys at Churchill, Shapiro, Shapiro does a great job. He he comes up with different tickets. He explains why he's doing it. Um, they do a lot of different things at Churchill that the other and guys he, don't do. He hits it. And, and, and he hits it. <laughs> he hits a good. But he'll tell you that the way he plays it, it's not going to hit all the time. But it's it's the way that you theoretically should play it. It, it absolutely pisses me off. I, and it goes to the whole thing. Those guys also talk about ROI. They're proud of their ROI. DeRosa. DeRosa talks about his ROI. I respect that. If you're not if you, if you're on a on a network and you're getting out these tickets and it's just and you're not talking about your ROI or that you never hit or whatever that that's malfeasance to me I, I think it's I almost think it's criminal to be honest with you it it drives me not drives me up a wall and it's not just that one network other places do it too but um, as Mr. Gilfeather just said how about at the very least have give out a, a confidence level of the tickets you're putting out right it's like well I really don't like this one. how about you tell people you pass once in a while. I know that's a crazy concept, but how about you don't play the damn pick five one time? Maybe you play this trifecta. Maybe you play the exacta. Maybe you play the double. Maybe you just tell people not to play the damn thing because it's A, too hard, too chalky, or you just don't like the sequence. It is the number one thing that drives me up a wall. Um, would you like to care to comment on that? Oh, I'm in agreement. Uh, you know, the, uh, yeah, the guys at Churchill are really uh, they're really, really good. They're really good at you know explaining how to wage. That's that's what uh, the people like me that watch. They we don't need to know. Right. We don't need to learn how to play a pick four. We just we I want information. I want to know. I want I want somebody to point out something that I don't know. Right. Exactly. Or, or, or you know, what a horse that's a good value that I'm not seeing. That that's what I want. Maybe I somebody somebody looks good in the paddock. That you know I'm not I'm not a I'm not a genius when it comes to looking at uh, observing a racehorse. That's something I know well, all that stuff. G- give me something else, right? That's, I, one thing that bothers me is I, I want to know if whoever analyst is is playing is, is offering up a pick four ticket. Are they doing it because they want to they want to hit a big? They want to you know they want right. something uh, against the grain that they're going to cash a big one. Are they are are they just looking the, the, the you know they're just looking the to basically expected value, you know, yeah. EV as they, as the, the gamblers say, what's their EV? What are we yeah. looking at here? Is this, I mean, if, if this guy wants to hit a big one, maybe I don't want to play it. Cause I, right. I you know, I don't want, I, I can't, I don't have the, uh, the, the budget to keep playing tickets like that. And agreed. Get, agreed. Those, those type never hit. So I, maybe, maybe that's not for me. Not everybody's a long-term player, right? A, a long game player as opposed to a short game player. 
Uh, I agree. Uh, so it's it, anybody that knows me knows it drives me up a wall. And uh, I, I and I, I would go one stretch. Most of the tickets are generic, simple. You know, I, I hate using the same cliches everybody else does in this game. But A, B, A, B by A, B by, you know, by some four to five shot or that's one thing. And then you have another guy on that network that I'm talking about. I remember last year at Gulfstream, he put together some $60 pick five tickets early in the day at Gulfstream. And the, the first single was like some nine to one shot, which I'm all for that. But it was like Robbie Alvarado on a Rusty Arnold horse. We all know that if you know anything about the circuit, you know that that horse isn't live, right? If Rusty Arnold's putting <laughs> Robbie Alvarado on, that's my circuit. The next horse was another single, 14 to one, had no no chance. And then the rest was like, I don't know, five by four by five. The, the ticket had no chance whatsoever. It was the opposite of the chalky tickets that they all give out. It, it was just, it was an abysmal ticket. And so, of course, the first horse runs like seventh. The next one runs like ninth. And then there's just no mention of it. Just, in the, hey, just like it never happened. But somebody bet their money on that ticket. And you don't even just act like it never happened. It was right on giving out a pick five ticket at Tampa Bay Downs. It's like, it's like, how about some accountability? How about some ROI? It's, it's, it, it, it drives me. That's, that is so, probably the one for me. If you know me, you know, that's one of the things that just pisses me off. Was that true that one of the analysts placed a, a ticket $10 on every horse in the race? I, true? I, I guess I'm not, I, I saw that. I, I commented on it. Uh, if if they cannot, did, they, that, that cannot that possibly be true. I hope it is. I hope oh, it is. That, that was that's malfeasance. malfeasance. Is that the right That's word? That's the word I like to use. I learned on Andy Griffith a long time ago. And if I could Damn go real God. quick back to something else along those lines, is it? Are, are we? We're in the 21st century. That's 2020. Can we get rid of the selections in the program? You've mentioned this before. Uh, the one, three, four, six. You know, <laughs> well, one, I get they tired use, of explaining that to people because yeah. uh, after immediately after the race, when all the favorites win or sweep the top three spots, somebody will show me the the morning line selections at the bottom of the page. I said, well, that's, that's just the morning line favorites in order. That yeah. means it's race chalked out, but it's, you know, it's like some handicap. That's, that's not. What are you they, telling me? Are you telling me to box all four horses in an exactor? You tell me to bet a $10 straight super factor. What are you telling me about that? I don't care if other people do that, you know, like on the internet or something, or they're just giving your selections, but, the, but the, what's the racetrack telling me about that? It's like one, three, four, eight. That, that, that I don't understand. I've never, even as an eight year old kid, I didn't understand that. It's time we got away. It's misleading. It's misleading because it's it's called some of these programs call it the morning line selections. They're not really selections. They're just the top four favorites in order based on the morning line. So I've talked enough about that. We'll move on. Well, speaking of morning lines, we need a we need a better class of morning line makers. Yeah, I agree with that. We've had, I mean, especially well, Ellis used to be really really bad. They had one of the worst morning lines ever. But this is moment. This is moment. This is moment. 12 to 1 on the morning line. He went off one, one to five. four to five. And yeah, and one by 20. And, you know, we, but we need we, we need better morning line makers. And they're out there. And But, you know, nobody wants to pay them, I'm sure. I think in Kentucky, they're pretty good, though. In Kentucky, they're good with the exception maybe Ellis is getting better. But the, I think the other Kentucky Downs is pretty damn hard. Let's let's give them credit. That's not the easiest track to do morning line for. But I no, think the rest of them job. Yeah, we can forgive them. But anyway. Yeah. Uh, you, you got some tweets you want to read or I've, I've got a few. Yeah, you go ahead. I'll let you go real quick. All right. Well, this is from uh, our friend Dennis trusty on, uh, on Twitter. He comes up and hangs out with us at Churchill every once in a while, but good guy. Good guy. Dennis. Yeah, How you good doing? Guy. Let's see if I can read first off the punishment for what happens and the ability to give horses to assistance after a trainer suspension 
or to go to other tracks and be okay with it. He's he, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. let's just say trainer A is suspended and then all the horses go to his assistant with no no repercussions. I, I see what he's saying there. Uh, whip rules should not be a thing. It's uh, not getting the most out of a horse and it's dangerous. Uh, your thoughts on that? I got I got I got a few thoughts on that. Uh, I'll let you go on to it, you know, because it, it, it was Monmouth a lot of that. Right? I don't watch Monmouth, so I well, don't want to uh, affect him. I'll let you. I'll let you touch on it. Well, it's coming here. It. It, it's coming here. This this is something that the racing world probably needs to be cognizant cognizant of is you know animal welfare, and that's something we're going to get hit on in the coming years. And then you know, I mean, that's that's ultimately going to lead to the shutdown of California racing. So that's something probably. I agree that you know the whip rules are allowing a jockey to strike a horse six times in the stretch I, I don't know if i agree with that but no i don't uh, i don't either but you know in the case of american pharaoh in the derby when espinoza i think he whipped him like 25 times from maybe the three-eighths pole to the wire I, maybe that's excessive yeah it's a bad look you know what i'm saying 25 mm-hmm. times is excessive but but yeah i agree i mean it's a gambling game so you there's a fine line we, we we've got you got to walk walk that line and and you know, uh, but I, I, I agree that I'm not crazy about the whip rules. I really don't like them at Monmouth at all. That, having no whip, I think that's ridiculous. That's dangerous. Yeah. Like like Dennis says, uh, laces, Lasix is important and needs to come back into horse racing. A lot of, a lot of trainers feel that way. And yeah, boy, the, the breeders are on the opposite side of that fence. Yeah. It's, uh, and then longer distance races, uh, especially for cheaper horses, that way they protect them by not having them run full out the entire race. I, I got that. I understand. I, I wish they had more. Yeah. I wish they had longer races too. You know, like I, I, I love the old, uh, two mile twice around races at Churchill. Back the starter. The, uh, races the 10 break. All you old, track, all you yeah. old school guys, the 10 break challenge. They quit carding them cause they couldn't fill them. Nobody, nobody's got horses that can go that far anymore, which is sad. That's a sad yeah. state of affairs. But, uh, yeah, I, Dennis with some good points there. Uh, I'll read you one from a, our buddy Joe Christofek, who, again, does a fantastic job. Uh, it was really hot at the fairgrounds this weekend, by the way. Not as hot as Ray Lou Gutierrez, but no, I don't think anybody was. But uh, this one's from Joe, and it's it's something that leads into one I'll touch on about the Rachel Alexander not being a grade one race. Okay, I agree with them. Um, perhaps you know more about the fairgrounds history than I do and stuff, but that there, there's been a lot of really good three-year-old fillies come out of that race and use as a stepping stone to Kentucky Oaks and beyond. So, uh, I I think she, I, I, one of these days I'm I'm startled it's not a great one but I'm I'm that way in a lot of regards and I'm sure you probably agree with that kind of lead me into one that I'm going to talk about here that I know a lot of people agree with it's just the the grading the the grading committee in general the grading stakes committee they're they're terrible or they're biased or uh, I honestly don't even pay attention to them but then I'm not a breeder I'm not a big owner right so but the, the people who are breeders and owners I mean that shit means something to them right and uh oh, the fact everything yeah yeah the, the stephen foster's not a grade one are you kidding me that's a that's a joke compared to some of the other horse races that are great the ones out in california with their four horse fields it's ridiculous there's got to be something done about that in my opinion uh again i don't pay any attention to it like i, I consider the bluegrass a grade two a grade one i know it's a grade two i don't care when i handicap a race it's a grade one to me but again i'm just i'm just a handicapper it means a lot to the breeders and the owners and stuff. The rate, uh, those races, the fairgrounds, I think they get cheated on their grading committee. But you go to New York and Florida, they like to give anything a grade one. The CCA, you've heard me bash the CCA Oaks, right? Uh, it's a grade one. It's just a damn joke. 
Paris Lights won it two years ago. Who won it this year? Who won the uh, Maracuja, right? Maracuja ran down uh, Malathot. Yeah, it was like basically a three-horse race like last year was. They got grade one titles. The race out in California got grade ones. Uh, The Great Stakes Committee is is a joke. I don't know the ins and outs of it. Uh, They need some better people on there or maybe, I don't know what goes on there, but they do a terrible job at that. You probably can come up better examples than I do, but well, Mr. Chris effects, right. He's right about that. Since 2014, the winners of the Rachel Alexander stakes have been uh, untappable. Who was a uh, champion three-year-old Philly. Right. Uh, I'm a chatterbox was uh, for Larry Jones. He was really Larry nice. Jones. Philly. Uh, Venus Valentine was an upsetter for Tom Amos. Farrell was a good Philly, probably a grade two, grade three type for Wayne Catalano. Then you had Monomoy girl. who was one of the best ever. Right. Uh, in the last 10, 15 years. Serengeti Empress, who was for our buddy Joe Politi, who was a super Multiple nice Multiple grade winner. Multiple super grade winner. Nice. Then, Kentucky Oaks winner, test winner. And then Finite won it last year, and uh, she's uh, turned out to be a really nice miler. But uh, she's, a, yeah, she's a good filly. Yeah, I think you're right. That should be a grade one. But, yeah, on the on the greatest stakes bandwagon, I, I, I would, I'm really upset that they took away the, uh, the, gr- the grading of the groupie doll stakes. Yeah, it was another one. It was a grade three race for years and years, and for whatever reason they decided. I know they have a formula they use, but they took away Ellis Park's only graded stakes, which I think is a disservice to a, to a small racetrack. I mean, here we go. We're, that goes into something else I want to talk about later, but it's you know we're squeezing the little man out. I think yes, uh, that it, it's still a popular race. I think they had twelve in the race uh, this year. Yeah, the winner was a pretty solid Brad Cox winner, right? Uh, right. So I think uh, I think they should revisit that, but I'm sure they won't. But anyway. And I'll go I'll go back to CCA Oaks, the last two CCA Oaks winners, which basically were three and four horse races coming down the stretch. Horses were scratched, horses were eased. Maracuja and Paris Lights. They got, I mean, point me by as a grade one winner. The horse won uh, uh, the former, what was it, uh, the Secretariat or what used to be the Secretariat or now the other the one on the uh, Arlington Million Under card. This is the Secretariat. Out. Yeah, right. but it's the it's the uh, Mr. D now. When the Mr. D. Right. It's, it's Ellis Park Allowance Horse has a great one by his name. Just, I don't know. Maybe it's, it seems like maybe you could take those away retroactively, but I guess that would be unfair. But moving on, moving on. What yeah. else we got? Uh, from an anonymous user, uh, tweeter. No national condition book and the the, the licensing annoyance from uh, state to state. Yeah, uh, I can, I can speak to the, the, the licensing. Uh, the way I understand it, I don't own horses. Uh, I, I've had a horse uh, in the past, but if I want a horse in Kentucky to race and then I want to move him to Indiana, I have to get a license in Kentucky and I have to get a license in Indiana. And if I want to go to Ohio to race a Belterra, then I have to get a, a license at Ohio, which is kind of ridiculous. Uh, it's, I know it's $150 to get a license in Kentucky, an owner's license. So if it's the same in those other two states, that's four hundred fifty dollars I have to spend needlessly. You know, it's and yeah. when when they could have a national, I thought they had a national licensing program a few years ago. Maybe uh, maybe not all the states are ad- adhering to that, but that's uh, yeah, that's something that would be something easy that they could make for the owners uh, to keep them in the in the game because it's just a pain in the butt to have to do yeah. this year after year after year. Fair enough, I agree. What else you got? Uh, let me check my notes here. Let me check my notes. Hold on here. So, uh, you want to talk about? Let's talk about this horizontal wagering scratch rules. If oh, I put, yeah. if I if I yes. had a, held a gun to your head, could you repeat? Now I know you've been wagering, 
for a long, many, many, many years, 20, 30 years, probably. Yeah. Could you, if I held a gun to your head, could you repeat the scratch rules in a horizontal wager, such as the pick three? Hell no. Uh, that's like trying to come up with the, like the COVID rules from state to state, right? It's, uh, it's no, we, I've been doing this a long time. You have too. And, uh, full disclosure, a lot of time when this happens, CC and I will text each other if this, since this situation happens let's to see if we know what the hell is going on. And if we don't know, then the majority of people don't know, right? <laughs> uh, sometimes I, hey, there's money in my account. Maybe there's money went to my account. Maybe money didn't go to my account. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I, I thought I knew some shit until that stuff started happening. Well, I'm I think you. part of the problem is the people that make the rules aren't gamblers or betters. Yeah. Right. And, and it's that it's just the, that's the last the furthest thing from their mind is is fixing rules to help help them. Now, the what about what do you think about the um, purse money only rules, though? Well, I got burned by that this year, but I think I guess a lot of people did, too. I don't have a quick fix on that. There's people smarter than I am. They're more involved in the game. They probably have better ideas than I do. But, uh, I, you know, I, I'm guessing you're probably one of those people smarter than I am. They probably have a better opinion. But I don't well, like it. I think it's I think at least they're trying to protect the better. Yeah. But the problem is like you get down to the last leg and you've got a horse that you are singling and then you wind up going to the favorite that you don't like. Uh that's you know, that's that's not that's not no. fair. The alternate so, selection rule. The alternate selection rule, right? I mean, we're far enough. This is two thousand twenty one. They can come up with some type of system where they can give you a consolation if your horse scratches, you know, like in, in that case, in, in the case of the breeder, we're talking about the basically, basically the breeder's cup juvenile turf and where the favorite was scratched at the gate and, and accidentally. And then he, he, he was, uh, uh, allowed to run for purse money only, which, which is fine. What I think they should have done is allowed for win place and show wagering to continue on that horse. Yeah. And then make all of the horizontal wagers to that horse a consolation. And, you know, just take up the money that was supposed to go to the betters of, of the winning, or if he was the winning horse, the, the betters that uh, had a ticket to him, divide that money up amongst the, the the tickets that had that particular horse. Does that make sense? Yeah. I know where you're going. Yeah. You're it, a it's a terrible it's, job it's explaining this. Yeah. I'm with you. I agree. I think that's something on everybody's list, quite frankly. Now, how to fix it, I don't know. Again, I'm not in the totalitator's uh, mindset, but uh, there's got to be better ways for people smarter than myself. Right. Yeah. Can I hit you with another one? Yes, sir. Uh, this is from an anonymous. Where did it go? Because it, it, I'm going to read this one because it ties into something that I have. Uh, a lack of commitment uh, to fan development is a big deal uh, for this uh, texter. And I would 100% agree with that. I think most people would. Uh, there's guys like us. We're a dying breed, right? Us old, middle-aged uh, horse players. We're a dying breed. I mean, I don't know how this game goes forward. I don't think they, I don't know if they do a good job you know, recruiting minorities and women, number one, quite frankly. But uh, on a bigger scale, uh, I don't know why they don't take advantage of some of the things that they have, uh, some of the opportunities that they have to educate their fans. Uh, I, I think of the night racing at Churchill, number one, I think they do an amazing job there. They do. I don't think anybody can, outside of the trainers and the horsemen, 
but it seems like when you have those big night racing cards, that would be a great opportunity to to teach those young people who are there to have a party, to have fun. Uh, you could offer classes beforehand, maybe. You could do tutorials on the big board between races and teach them not more than about just betting the show or betting across the board. Teach them how to play a trifecta wheel or or how to, you know, teach them about the backside, what goes on in the backside, what goes on in that life back there. Or, hell, you've you got the Derby Museum there, right? You've got that Derby Museum. You've got that theater in the round in there that they used to show old derbies on, right? It's an amazing fill in there. Take people in there and, and give them a – uh, tutorials on that big screen, right? To teach people how to uh, not just how to bet because it's more than just betting. I know people don't want to buy that, but what the life is like there on the backside and wherever you, you've got a lot of things at your advantage. I, I wish they do a better job. I know, so this what this texter or is that what you call a text or poster says it's like, we do need to do a better job of uh, developing fans, whether that be as an owner or just teach them how everything works. Uh, do you have any thoughts on that? You know, I had an idea a long time ago, you know, the, there was a poker boom probably yeah, there mid, was. mid 2000s. Uh, one of the things that popped up along uh, that coincided with the poker boom was online poker and not necessarily where you use your own money to play real money. There was a uh, fake money sites where you could actually learn how to play. It's a good and, idea. And I was like, why, why aren't they doing this with racing? Because to give people a chance to, to, get their feet wet without losing their rear ends you know yeah I, let me let me let me see what a 10 cent super costs well i got three horses on top and six horses in second and so on and so forth and you know and i'm punching my wager and it costs 43 dollars for a 10 cent wager and it pays 12 well there you go now i've I've, lo- I've learned a lesson you know yeah. then you can if you can do that and then you know move over to the to the real wagering website or, or app and then you're, you know, you're ready to go. You might actually, you know, might actually retain some customers instead of just sending somebody out there, uh, baptism by fire. You're, 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 you punch in a hundred dollars and you lose it in, in two days. And you're like, well, crap, I just lost a hundred dollars. I'm, this isn't any fun at all. Maybe, maybe bring them along with, uh, with, uh, fake, fake money, play money. Yeah. That's a good idea. And you know, maybe they all, Somewhere along the line, somebody hit a, a a fake wager and be like, "Man, I should have had that in a real pool. Maybe I'll switch over and, and, and maybe you know, maybe you can hook them that way." But yeah, because it's an intimidating game. It's an intimidating game, and it gets more intimidating, I think, as years go by. Because back in the day, it was one place show, right? And that was easy to understand. Then you factor in exactly. But now we got super fat. And again, the tracks with their pick fours and their pick fives pushing them all the time. And it's like, how intimidating is that to a new person to try to pick? I, I have a hard time picking. I got to pick five in a row. Those people don't understand that you're taking four horses in this race and three horses in that race and, and this and that. I mean, you push the pick five so much. Not that we don't play pick fives. I play them. You play them. You know, I pick my spots. But that's intimidating to people. You know, to, it's, break it down. They want to. If you taught people how to bet vertically, where they can win a trifecta or an exact in that one race, and don't tell them the stupid exacta boxes all the time. You know, they would do it. And you make a good point too about your ADW, your twins. For instance, your twin spires app. I tell my friends. Who know a little bit about the game? You've met a lot of them. I, my friend Michelle Ingram, if you're listening, Michelle, hey, uh, get that Twin Spires app out and just start punching in numbers and stuff. Just put in. I tell Chris Karam the same thing. Punch the and you'll know. That, hey, this is four dollars and eighty cents. This is seven dollars and twenty cents. So you don't get that sticker shock of going to the window. It's like, hey, this is eighty-eight dollars. I didn't intend to do that, and I, I agree with you there. I just use that kind of fake money perspective as, as one decent thing. But there's a lot of other things too. 
So, yeah, I, I think the pick four, pick five thing can actually work against you a lot of times. When that's the only wager that you push, you know what I mean? Would you agree with that? Yes, 100%. Yeah. yeah. All right, we'll go. We'll move on. I'll let you go now. Photo finish cameras. <laughs> Breeders' Cup flashbacks. Well, I'm, I'm thinking specifically of the uh, the one at Saratoga. I can't remember. I think it was last year, not not. Uh, 2020 i think it was varinka and another philly photoed in a stakes race and it was uh, uh the rain yes. was getting ready to fall yeah uh, or maybe it was falling at the time and 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 this uh this photo finish looked like something out like a loch ness monster type picture or a, or a uh, worse a uh a doppler radar it's just like seriously i mean they they're having 120,000 dollars maiden races and we can't find a really nice photo finish camera like they've got in Hong Kong or Japan. Like, like when when the race is over in Hong Kong, you know who's going to win because they're showing the the replay, the the stretch run, and a photo finish and you know split second timing. You know what what happened here in this country. You could have uh, you could have three horses hit the wire together and have three different opinions on who won the race after the photo finish is shown yeah so uh, you know it's high time maybe they take some of the slot money and invest it in photo finish technology finally what a crazy idea i yeah. can't imagine we saw it this we saw it this weekend uh, uh isn't chess chess chief dallas stewart horse the poster child right or something like this this is twice chess chief has won stakes races at, at uh, fairgrounds to his credit and both times I'd have swore on swore on a stack of Bibles. He got beat both times, right? Because the right. angle's bad. And uh, it happened in the spring and it happened again this weekend. Uh, and you know what? Going back and watching those photos, Chess Chief did win those races. He won by a full nose in both times. But um, in live action, it looked like he, he got beat both times. Uh, again, do you think that builds a lot of customer uh, confidence there when no, they see that, right? Not so, at all. I mean, that's a great put, point. At least put the video camera on the wire. Uh, the <laughs> Amen. Right yeah, so uh, I'll tack on to that a little little bit. And something I touched on last week when we were explaining this, God, the isolating on when we come down a stretch, there's a horse in front by eight lengths and they isolate on the winner and they just show the winner down the stretch and they show them past the wire. And there's a four horse cluster coming eight lengths back for second, third or fourth. It's like people want to know who ran second, third or fourth. and They don't show it. I, I said it last. Gulfstream does that show the race through the finish. There are a lot of people who bet exactus or bet a horse to place and show or bet a super effective. And they give it, and maybe the owner has their horse in the race and they give a rat's ass about who finishes up in the, in, in the minor spots. It, it, I'll never understand that. You know what I'm talking about? Isolating on the winner, just showing the winner, not showing the rest of the race. Insane. And Insane. Show, show the gallop out too. Yes. I mean, without question. Like, when I go back and watch replays, you know, I want to see. I want to see how a horse is finishing. I mean, it, it, did did the jockey shut him down after the wire, or did they, you know, let him go and he galloped out really nice, or did he did he did he not gallop out well at all? You know, I want to see that kind of stuff. They don't. I've have had a lot of good. I've had a lot of good winners in the past because of that, right? So I want to see it. And let me ask you this: Micro- How do you feel about mar- mar- marathon race cards? The 14 race cards, the 13 race cards. I hate them. It's too I many hate them. Races. Too many races to handicap. I it's- hate. Bringing it up because I know a lot of owners and horsemen need those races and stuff too, but that's a long day. I, I'm a I'm a less is more kind of guy. I, I don't think 
you know, I, I don't bet every day. I don't want to bet every day. I, you know, I like to keep it fresh or whatever. I also know that a lot of people need to run every day to make money. So I, I understand that, but I, the 14 race cards, Oaks and Derby, I get it because it's a long day. You got a lot of big time races. You need to space those out because you got the crowd. I understand all that. But generally, and I know we're going to have one next month at the, at, uh, the Goldstream, right? Pegasus Day, you'll probably have a 14 race card. I just don't see any point. We, we, we complain about short fields anyway, right? I mean, it just, it just seems to me like it, it, it works against you. I'm just not a big fan of marathon cards. No, you know, I don't have to here. bet the whole card, and I won't, but I, I don't really know why we need to do it. But again, you know, I. I a lot more people have skin in the game and they probably want to do that. But if, if four of those races are six and seven horses, then why in the hell are you doing it? Because I mean, I could go on another tangent about short fields, but uh, I just wonder how you felt about the marathon cards. I hate them. I, the old days I would love, I remember Ellis park. I think used to run 13 race cards on Saturdays and that was fun <laughs> for me when I was yeah. younger. Cause I'm, you know, I was probably betting $5 a race maybe or $10 mm-hmm. a race at, at the most. And you know, going there and set all day. Well, you, you know, you're doing Saratoga and, and other tracks as well. But uh, gosh, I can't. It's hard to do anymore. Not enough yeah. time. Not enough time. And you know, but it's not just about you know you have you have the rest of your life too. You know, it's not just about. I, I'm not a believer that you should spend all day playing the horse. There's any other factors in your life for you know well-rounded thing of happiness. But uh, I don't. That's just uh, I, I'm not a big fan of those. But again, you don't have to play them all. I mean, you can just pick seven races if you want to. Uh, I wanted to touch on. Uh, Somebody something sent me. Where's that? Where's Bob's at? Bob, our friend Bob, uh, Bob Butler, uh, Bob and Lee Butler sent this, uh, and it's and it's a good one too. Um, his grievance is why doesn't Turfway write the auction condition made in special races that we see at Churchill Downs are very popular. Uh, Saratoga, um, he says the straight made in special races are sometimes getting 28 horses at Turfway, so I have to split the race, and then you'll still have four horses on the also eligible list. The auction races are popular at Churchill. They're out at the fairgrounds. Turfway needs to get with the program. Um, so I, you know, I, I kind of agree with them there. I, I wonder why Turfway doesn't offer more of those because their their races are filling, and there may be a reason I'm unaware of. But I know the horse, I know the owners would really appreciate that, right? Well, and those made yeah. special. Those races have gotten tougher. I used, they were just horses coming out of those races going into open company were kind of tosses for me. But I don't think you can really say that anymore. Because uh, I know a couple of red horses at Churchill uh, went from the restricted making special races and open allowance company and stakes company did really well. So do you have any thoughts on that? Well, part of the purpose of these maiden auction races is to avoid the heavy hitters, the Brad Coxes and the Wesley Wards mm-hmm. and those guys. Well, now, you know, you get to Turfway now, you used to be able to avoid them. But now that, you know, Cox, yes. Ward, Cassie, uh, those guys have, have horses in all those maiden races now, too. So I understand that sentiment. Uh, yeah, I think... I think it wouldn't hurt to uh, to uh, maybe uh, write some conditions where, you, you know, typical in Kentucky is for 45000 or less uh, purchase yeah. price. I think maybe they could lower that. I mean, there's a lot of horses that sell for 25 or less or 30 or less. You know, I, why not? Why, why not try it? I, I get the racing secretaries know know what's on the backside, but, I, you know, maybe right. it's worth a look. But. Yeah. For those people who don't know what we're talking about, like, as CC alluded to, auction prices, of uh, they, they, they card these races now in, in – Kentucky and, and New York and other places where uh, the the if, if a horse was sold at auction, you purchase at auction. That if he was purchased for I think in here in Kentucky at, at Churchill's forty five, I think it's Saratoga too, forty five thousand or less. If you're purchased for one dollar more, you're not eligible for those races, right? They're still made in special weight races, but they're restricted to the horses who sold for a for a certain amount at auction. 
and that's what Bob's alluding to. So they're technically they're easier races, but you still have good horses in those races. So that leads me into to something else I want to get into is, is I think racing probably needs to practice a little more socialism. Now I am anti-socialism. I'm pro-capitalist, and I don't want to get Same into here. political. I don't want to get into a political discussion. But I think the racing game it would be more interesting if we had more participants. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh, just uh, just a, a simple case in point on Kentucky Derby Day. You know when NBC does their little vignettes on each connection. But nowadays it's it's you know whether this uh, vignette's going to be about Baffert trying to go for his seventh Kentucky Derby or Brad Cox or Steve Asmussen's run. 45 times in the Derby's never won it. And it's the same stories every single year back in the old days. And one of my favorite pods we ever did here was Shelly Riley mm-hmm. uh, with casual lies. You don't get those pods anymore. Uh, the, those, those people, No, you are, get the pods, you get the podcast. Sorry. We do the yeah. podcast. We don't get the show. Yeah. You, you don't you get stole my thunder. Yeah. You don't get those stories anymore because right. those people are out of the industry. I mean, Shelly, she, she's not, she's not in the industry anymore. No. Uh, and it's, you know, it's, think if we had more participants at, uh, at the ground floor, uh, I think, uh, you know, they, they, we've learned over the years that the the little guy, they know how to train horses, too. Hell, yeah. And it's, you know, it's I mean, our, our own buddy, Michelle Lovell's got one of the top sprinters in the country. Of course, nobody will admit it. But they won't uh, admit she, it. yeah, but she's, you know, she's got a really nice horse. And, you know, I'd like to learn more about her. Than, yeah. uh, you know, than the big guys. But uh, but yeah, what I'm getting at is uh, can we make some of these races uh, like made special weights based on based or for horses that are sired by a stallion with a $10,000 fee or less? Great or idea. For a trainer that has only started 75 horse, 75 starts in Kentucky or in well, nationwide for in 2020, 2021, excuse me, you know, just. Let's help out the little guy. And, you know, if we can fill their pockets, they'll stay in the game longer. And the whole game is healthier if we've got more. And it'll benefit everybody. It'll benefit. We won't have those short fields that we're bitching about, right? I mean, it'll benefit everyone. Look at what look at what uh, parity has done for NFL. Yeah. Every, you know, like, I think my Bengals are horribly managed. They're, you know, they've been horribly managed for 20 years. But uh, the way the, the, what's it called? The, uh uh, salary cap. Yeah. Salary cap helps keep all these teams competitive. Nobody can establish a dynasty unless it's Tom Brady, but you know, nobody, nobody can establish a uh, dynasty in, in the NFL. And it's just new markets that uh, get a good team every single year. And I think that's just, that, that's helped it be more popular in my opinion. Yeah. I don't know. I, I agree with you. Cause you actually, when we didn't read these before folks, uh, each other's, I mean, we may have touched on a little bit, but, CC is really close to what I had uh, for my next one. It was very similar. That everyone gripes about Baffert being the face of horse racing, but why don't racetracks market the smaller guys and gals to make them more the face of the game and therefore more relatable to everyone? Uh, and in fairness, everybody bitches and bashes podcasts like we do and stuff. Wherever they they make their cynical jokes, but podcasts actually do a pretty good job of that. I wish the racetracks. Uh, maybe did more of that. Put Michelle Lovell out there. Put Tom Drury out there. Put uh, uh, Jinx Fires in his day, right? You know, you know, the names go on and on and on. 
Uh, it seems like it's up to the to, to the lesser things to 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 market to to boast about a Brian Hernandez, to boast about a James Graham, right? Uh, I would maybe the racetracks maybe instead of using Baffert as a face of your sport, get these. I hate using the word second tier because they're just as good as these guys, right? Make them more of this. It goes back to the whole Perry Utes thing. Um, you got a, You got a legend right there in Perry Utes market him, right? So I, I completely agree with that. Let's let's hear more about those guys on the backside that uh, keep this game going and stuff. You want you want to bitch about Baffert? Well, shove him to the side and bring the other guys up there. And I, and as far as that goes, while I'm on the whole Baffert thing, uh, we people like to bash and bitch about Baffert and stuff, and rightfully so. And they like to take these these moral stances that he's terrible for the game. And I get you, and I understand that. I'm I, I completely get that. And that he should be kicked out. Sorry. But uh, I'm all for that. That was my uh, iPad. I'm all for that. But then back up what you say. Uh, he's got a horse out in California. Don't bet it. You'll, you'll sit there and bash and you go out there and bet, bet those races. They let him in the race. If you, if, you convic- if you have some conviction, stand by it, right? Uh, you don't believe you should be in a game? But why do you have to do it in uh, San, a race in San Diego? Three horses in a race. If you're going to make these bold proclamations, then stand by them, because that's only the, the, the racetracks are going to listen. If you believe this guy's a cheater and you make a great big point about it online or God knows where, stand by your conviction. Don't bet the track. It's, I see it all the time. Uh, people make make these bold bold proclamations, and then their next thing, they're I mean, you know, that goes back to the whole thing about degeneracy, which for some reason we're promoting the art of degeneracy, which I'm completely against as well too. But it's like, man, you got to have some conviction if you want want things to change. I mean, do you follow me on this? I agree. Yeah, I agree. It's, uh, yeah, I probably didn't do a really good job of explaining that, but, uh, you know, I'm old and tired. I've got a tweet here. This is an anonymous tweet. Uh, this is a few of the issues nationwide. Uh, the, the installation of Tapita at Gulfstream wasn't a bad idea, but it's the way it's being used. Uh, I think... I think there's, there's there, aren't they sticking a lot of the poly track rate or the tapita races into the pick six and the pick yeah that's weird races. that's weird yeah. yeah and then they claimed they claimed that the handle was up on those races when in reality I think they were beginning a lot of their pick six sequences with the tapita races and they were they were including the pick six wagering in in with the totals for that that particular race so their 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 handle for those races was inflated so they really kind of that was a, a misleading, but uh, I agree with that. Uh, Oaklawn has raised the price of parking from two dollars oh, really? to five dollars. That sucks. Wow. Why? Why charge to park? Right. Needlessly banging the horse player while they make money hand over fist at the casino. That's 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 insane. Yeah. I've, I've got one here. Um, well, wait a minute before you before you go. Okay. I got. Let me finish his. Uh, the fact that Hollendorfer is still banned from Santa Anita is a bunch of BS. I agree with that. I, we don't even know why he was banned. I, I've heard things. I don't know if any of them are true, but uh, that that's strange to me for a guy that starts hundreds and hundreds of horses. That's, uh, that's uh, you know, talk about lack of transparency. But, uh, yeah, yeah. Go. And I can't read his fourth point. I think we might get sued. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, go ahead. Well, you talk about the Tapita thing, and I, and I love the Turfway Tapita. I'll be honest, I, I think it's great. Uh, we want full fields. We want competitive racing. We want big prices. That's what Turfway provides. But I have not played Gulfstream, but I think maybe one day so far this meet. And um, 
And I'm not, and I'm all for the Tapita in general, but you're right. Inters, those races are, there's one on dirt and there's one on Tapita and there's one on grass. It wasn't for me this year. I'm, I'm probably not going to play much Gulfstream this year. You know, I'm a Kentucky guy anyway. Most of my wagering is in, in Kentucky. It's, it's 85, 90%, but I would venture down to Gulfstream, but now it's almost too confusing. You just throw one more factor into the mix, right? That, and I don't need any more factors. The game's tough enough. So the interspersal of the different racing surfaces, I think, is a little odd, especially into multi-race sequences. So I would agree with that. Uh, can I read this one real quick? Sure. Uh, my, hey, this is High Five Racing Stable. He didn't mind me saying his name. Really good guy. Uh, his grievance is that he wants to turn the heat up on these state racing commissions. They clearly know there are conspiring owners on video audio with cheats like Navarro, which they've dealt with Navarro. And yet they continue to afford them entry and purse dollars. Whereas their investigator, the FBI can only deliver, deliver so much on a platter. Um, any thoughts on that? I mean, we know we know the the dark underbelly of this crap that goes on or whatever. But uh, I will say Navarro did get his up and coming, his uh, comeuppance. So do you have any comments well, on that? I mean, here we go again with purse money from slots. Let's let's put some of this money to good use. I realize that the horsemen want this money to go toward owners and trainers but uh at some point you know everybody's got to come together and let's take some of this money and 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 put it to good use for for catching cheaters let's get some boots on the ground let's come up with some innovative ways i mean i i I would be for state veterinarians uh working for the state that treat the horses and or if or maybe have a, a vet store on the premises where vets are not allowed to to bring in products from outside the racetrack. That's a good idea. Let the vets purchase items from the vet store on the backside, and they can only use them to yeah. treat horses. Uh, there's there's things you can do, you know. I and you know maybe video cameras, video surveillance, but let's use that slot money for more than purses, and then then we can grow the game. We can get the cheaters out, and uh, and then build confidence. Yeah, build and it's confidence. good for horse welfare. And, you know, you won't have the X, Y, jet situations anymore, which was just sad. You know, rest in peace with that horse. Uh, that poor thing was a, basically a lab experiment for the yeah. last two years. That, I mean, that's, you know, pathetic. But, uh, uh, you know, I, I, I agree. I, I, I'm with it. I'm for anything that tries to catch cheaters. And, you yeah. know. And uh, helps build uh, some public relations in a sport that desperately needs it, correct? Absolutely. Uh, it builds more consumer consumer confidence to borrow, a, I guess, a pseudo political economic term. Uh, but I, I'll touch on something real quick here. When I talked about JJ Highsell a moment ago, that she definitely needs to be hired by a racetrack or some entity in racing. Uh, so does CC Broadus. My uh, co host, CC Broadus, also uh, does, and I think anybody that listens to that would agree with that. So that's agreements of mine, too. I'll work uh, for six figures. I don't have a problem. I, that's I'll take a pay cut, you know. Or have, <laughs> but yeah, JJ, I've, I've said before on this podcast, Caitlin Free got hired. She deserved to be. JJ Highsell deserves to be. Sack would be an amazing. Sakai Shul would be an amazing concierge for the industry, and CC Broadus would be a benefit too. So I get a kick out of people getting uh, their just due, and CC. I'm sure people would agree with that. But uh, that's my commercials out of the way there. Have have you uh, read uh, Phil's tweet? Um, oh, Phil's tweet. Yeah, let me see. Get to that. Yeah, go ahead. Hit with that. I have to go hunt for that. Do you have it? it? Yeah, go ahead. Why Phil can't, Spade. Yeah, why can't U.S. horse racing fans just appreciate a great effort without anointing a horse as horse of the year? <laughs> the best horse since. 
or comparing a horse to historical legends. I see this all the time in boxing as well. Uh, Sunday morning, a boxer or horse has become the best X of time X, or it was the knockout of the millennium. Same in horse racing. After ra- after race three, we have Dr. Fager. Tap the brakes, people. Yeah, see, he's right. I- I'm with him on that. It's well, of course, this is in reference to Flightline this week, who's could be the second coming. I mean, we've seen it before, but uh, I mean, how do you feel about it? I mean, I think I, I would agree to pump the brakes. I think the horse is spectacular, but still a sprinter, still one turn, still three starts, only going to run so many times next right. year. Has been two turns, has been around a ground. I mean, like, I mean, we've seen this, we've seen this play out a bunch of times. Everybody wants to anoint that, that next big star, and we know they they get a bump or a bruise, they're out of the game. For, you know, they no longer run right. Uh, they want to protect the breeding rights. I mean, I seriously pump the brakes. I mean, I'm here that he's going to beat Nick's go. I don't think we've given Nick's go enough credit. The horses run incredible figures going uh, classic distances and stuff. So, I mean, let, let's back off just a little bit. And it wasn't just not long ago, we were throwing the trainer of flight line in that whole Baffert thing as well, too. <laughs> now we've kind of forgotten about that, right? Right. right. Uh, I mean, yeah, I would agree with that. I think it has hyperbole, a lot of hyperbole. And, uh, you know, again, Flightline has been nothing short of amazing. Don't get me wrong, but, I mean, you know, I, I need to see a little bit more. I don't know how you feel about it. I'm, but I, I, would, I would say this, though, that the buzz is a good thing for the sport. Yeah, oh, I agree. Agreed. Yeah, that, that's, but that's we, often get, we often get uh, the rug yanked out from us, right, in, in the sport, right? So. Yeah, well, here's the problem with Flightline to me is this horse is probably worth more now as a stud than he may ever be. If he goes, let's say, let's say he goes on to two turn. I don't know. Maybe he shows up at uh, the, uh, maybe the Oakland handicap or something like that. I don't know. I'm just picking a random race. Let's say he runs, uh, sets pace and finishes a close second to, to whoever, maybe, uh, uh, hot rod Charlie or something like that. Well, that may diminish his stallion value, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, as horse, he couldn't get two turns. Maybe, you know, he's diminished. So the owner's, of this horse might uh, be better off to retire the horse, keep him sound, and you know they can probably charge twenty five, thirty thousand dollars a mare in the stud yeah. barn, uh, you know, and 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 breed the eighty mares or a hundred mares or more more. That's three million dollars, uh, you know, and, and he may not make that on the track this year. That's a good uh, point. So yeah, that's that's my problem with that. I mean, used to you would want a horse back in the day like like an Aladar or, or a firm that, that would, you know, they danced every dance and, uh, or, or, or an easy goer or a Sunday silent well, Sunday silence was sold. But you know, those, those type of horses that, uh, established two term dominance and won a lot of, a lot of stakes races and danced every dance. That's, that's the kind of horse that you wanted. Now, now we're getting the, the, the stallions like a McLean's music or, a, uh, those types that, uh, that may may pass on unsound traits mm-hmm. to their progeny. Right. Now, now I will say horses like uh, Mr. Prospector. I don't think he had a very long career, and he was no. one of the greatest sires ever. And there were like a Danzig. Danzig, I think, ran three times. He was a really good sire. So, you know, I mean, there's nothing uh, there's nothing certain about the breeding industry, but it it bothers me that you know this horse now is probably worth more than uh, than at stud than a, than a next go or or a hot rod Charlie or horses that have that are proven at uh, longer distances fair point fair point I'd, I'd agree with phil on that and i agree with you um i guess it would be unfair not to mention uh as far as agreements uh, as much as we love churchill we know churchill has their issues with people but 
uh, it would be wrong. And on behalf of a lot of the, the common guys, I'm say common because none of my friends are common. Uh, this would be the number one thing for them. Not to mention this is like, I mean, Oaks Derby, this silly Derby thing, which it is silly. Uh, they've priced they've priced the ordinary guys, the guys that I would go to the racetrack. They've priced them out of going, right? I mean, uh, my, yeah. I mean, it's it's it is. I mean, uh, that's just and that's at the bottom level. Even at the bottom level, you know, you charge eighty hundred dollars to get in the infield. I mean, I mean uh, not to mention what they charge once they get in there. And that's just for just just to get in the infield. They're pricing everybody out of the game, right? The guys like us who, you know, I mean, we'll manage. You know, you and I will manage. Uh, we know ways around things, but the ordinary guys, I mean, I mean it, it would be remiss of us not to mention uh, the pricing, uh, yeah. the exorbitant pricing. At well, yeah, time, right? it, it sucks for us. Now, I will play devil's advocate to this, though. It, yeah. You know, they they can sell those tickets. It's not like yeah. you got an empty stadium. We talked about capitalism a moment ago, right? It is yeah. capitalism. We have to keep that in mind. And I will – I think go, talking about Churchill, you know, closing Arlington – sucked that was yeah it that was bad but you know there's a lot of billionaires or multi-millionaires in this game and none of them stepped up to save the save arlington stole my I, stole my thunder i agree with that there's yes. a lot of them out there that could that could have put some money together to buy that place and or, oh, or you know made a handsome offer and none of them none of them stepped up and that gets to one of my points one of my grievances is uh i think we need a better class um a better class of owners that, than we have right now. I, it it kind of goes uh, sport versus business. We've yeah, got a lot of owners that are treating, which, you know, I get it. You, you, we're here to make money. You don't want to throw a bunch of money against the wall and just, you know, or just burn it. But uh, horses that have 10 or 12 ownership groups. And when, when we're talking about ownership groups, we're talking about some of the wealthiest people in the country. Where's the sport in that? I, there's no sport in that. That's yeah. That's, it reminds me of uh, the festivals, the, like a country music festival or a rap music festival, where they have like, uh, you know, this guy and then this guy and then this guy and then this girl and then this girl. You know, that's what that's what it looks like in the owners' uh, part of the uh, of the program anymore, right? You know, right. Uh, Tender to the we all know the, the Matacat and uh, Shaw is it Salkamine and all, all those guys are just they all buy in together and they form these mega partnerships, right? And yeah, yeah, that's a really good point you bring up. Well, I'm looking for one of these horses now. I can't. The horse had ten ownership groups, and I can't find it. I'm looking at Santa Anita's overnights. I don't think they list all the owners. Del Mar does. Uh, I can't find it. But yeah, I mean, you, you can. It's the usual, the usual suspects. You know, the Windstar Farm, Spendthrift, My Racehorse, Don Alberto. They're all in on the same horses. That it's more fun to me if I'm an owner. I want to beat these guys. I don't want to join up with them. I just think that's I don't know. I have a problem with that. I, th- I think it. And uh, and and the bottom line is, I guess these guys they know if they they can hit on maybe two or three of these, and they, they buy in the fifty of them and hit yeah. on two or three, they can probably break even. And I I get that, but you know it's just like are we are we finding out who has the best race horse, or are we just doing this to make money yeah uh, wherefore art thou francis ginter right 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 and and well, also i want to get into speaking of my my racehorse i want to get into micro shares real quick uh of course we endorse uh daytona stables for lee and bob butler and brilliant racing 
That's which is the outfit that Joe Christofek is involved with. Uh, they're all transparent. They're good people. We know them. Uh, this deal with this Commonwealth Racing Stable over the weekend, I think uh, Ray Pollock uh, brought up some uh, objections to how they were they had priced a horse that uh, had raced for a claiming tag. They, they, Windstar was involved on this horse, and then this this other MicroShare outfit uh, had priced the horse at a million two, and the horse was purchased for six fifty at at auction. And they've already upgraded the or up uh, up what do you call it up they up the up the the, the value yeah. of the horse by by double, uh, and and you know most of that is probably administrative fees. This is a way for some dude to put together a stable and 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 make some money off of it. And regardless yeah. if the horse is any good or not, and of course the horse ran for thirty thousand at Turfway over the weekend and won and got claimed. So you know uh, that six hundred fifty thousand was dwindled down to thirty thousand plus whatever the winner's share of the purse was, which is not much. Not much. I uh, just I, I I have no problem with people wanting to buy into horses like that. I, that's that's great. Uh, that gives yeah. you something to cheer for, other than just gambling on a horse. My problem is with the uh, the outfits that that operate these these stables. I think you need to leave the game better than when you got into it. Yeah. Just you you have to treat people with respect. And I know there's a lot of uh, I think I think horse racing could use some. Uh, make you pass an ethics course before you get a license or, or whatnot. I, I just, yeah, that's, yeah, know, that bugs me. I just, I, I when you, you buy a horse for 600,000 and you immediately value him at 1.2, that, that's, yeah. that's, that's a joke. But you know, we get, uh, we get involved, we get asked both CC and I and Brandon, we get asked to be in different partnerships and, and such. We, because we, I mean, we're fringe players. We're not big time guys or whatever. As everyone knows, I'm an auto worker. I've got a, a wife and two daughters. I'm not a rich man, uh, but we do get asked often. And uh, Brilliant Racing was one that, and also Daytona Stables. Uh, they're not like that. We we we're, we are smart enough to know what's good and what's not. Uh, I was I will say that about us. So and the guys at Brilliant, they don't do that. They're they're really good. I would encourage anybody to get in that. And uh, so we we were particular about who we signed on with and stuff, but. Yeah, I mean, of course, we're not going to get involved with any, you know, seven-figure things or whatever. But, uh, yeah, uh, I'm confident in brilliant racing. And uh, I, I just I know that not all outfits are like that, as CC alluded to. Fix your microphone a little bit. Oh, I'm sorry. That's my Quite grievance too. for 2022. We'll get you a new microphone. I've got a fancy microphone. I think I just move around too much. You wiggle a lot? I can't help it. You said you're an auto worker. I work in the mortgage industry and I'm also a stripper at night. So it's, you know, it's, it's hard to make ends meet. So, you know, yeah. I appreciate these syndicates that can help me with this. But, uh, uh, I tell you what, have we gone through all the grievances? I mean, there's a thousand oh, I got, more. I got one quick one. Now, we need press yeah. passes for podcasters, right? Don't you think? Like, don't, I, tried don't you, I tried that with the Breeders' Cup. I got shut down. Ah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it, would, it would be in their best. I think it just needs to be something. I mean, I, I, there's a thousand podcasts, right? But, you know, you can be selective, right? <laughs> Let's see if we can work on that. I don't know if I have anything else. I agree. We, get, I, we can we'll come up with something. Just give me a video camera. Yeah. Uh, there's one thing you could fix. What would you pick of everything that you mentioned? Oh, my gosh. I think uh, I think the one thing that has affected the game in the last 20 to 30 years is the amount of 
horses that are going to the limited number of stables. Yeah. When you've got 20 to 30 top trainers and they, they get all the good horses, so obviously they're going to win all the, all of the races. Well, whether it's wrong or right, I'm going to say that, you know, uh, or the, the, the average man is going to say, Hey, they're, they're cheating because they win everything. Yeah. Well, who knows? But I think part of that is the fact that these guys get all the horses. They run the, they run the claiming or they, uh, well, they run the claiming game and they run, uh, you know, they take these horses, drop them down, good allowance horses, drop them down into claiming and win those races. They dominate. And, you know, it, that's, uh, I think that's affected the game more than anything. Like I guess I would, I would put into effect some type of rule where an, and a trainer can only have 100 horses in his name nationwide. But that and goes it, back to socialism. That goes back to anti-capitalism. I mean, you know, I did. Yeah. That, hey, that's, that's a fine same. line. Hey, well, look what happened to the NFL. They installed the, yeah. they, uh, put in the uh, salary cap. That's uh, a nine billion dollar a year industry, right? Is that what they make a year or something like that? All those teams and, yeah. you know, I think I think something like that in, in racing. I just I don't think it's a good thing that that. 30 guys get a thousand horses. I think, uh, I think you, you limit what they, what they, and, and then we can spread out, spread out horses to other trainers and you can, you know, and those guys aren't, uh, dominating the entry box and making sure certain races go and certain races don't go. I think that's, uh, that would be, that would be what I would do. It probably wouldn't be popular with the, the ultra rich and the, and the heavy hitters in the game, but that's, that would be the first thing I'd do. I, I would make sure that, the Todd Pletchers of the world and, and, and those guys, Chad Brown, I would give them 100, 100 horses and then we'll see who they, uh, who they like the most and then let, uh, let everybody else uh, battle for the rest. Excellent idea. I mean, I, I think the one of the things would be awesome is some of these fantastic trainers at all circuits, not just here at all circuits, uh, more owners would feel uh, compelled to give them their good horses. You know what I mean? I, I mean, there's so many great, we're on the backside. We see them. We know who they are, uh, that they would be, give some of these guys more of a chance with their really good horses and stuff. Uh, what I'm get, get out of that mindset. That mindset it all has to be a certain four or five guys. What I'm suggesting though, is, I mean, it, I mean, it, it, I'm not, I'm not trying to uh, downplay the, the, the good trainers there. I mean, they, they're good for a reason. They've got, they got to the top for a reason. I just, yeah. you know, Let's uh, we let's grow the game. Let's try to grow the game. That's just that's my only concern. I got you. All right. I think we may have covered everything. I hope I didn't leave anybody out. Now this is part one of our airing of grievances. We've got ten more parts, and they're ten all ninety parts. minutes each. Yeah. <laughs> so we're gonna have nine hours, eighteen hours of grievances coming. No, I'm kidding. We're not. Gonna He's joking. He's joking. But you know, I, one thing I did touch on. Uh, maybe should touch on a little harder about uh, showcasing everybody. It's something I believe in. I know you believe in it too. And even on, on our little small minuscule scale is showcasing, giving people a voice who don't get the voice, who don't get showcased like we, like Sarah Hamilton, uh, the people we've had on here recently that I do believe that's one that everybody wants to be cynical and bash on podcasts or whatever. Which I, I could give a shit less, quite frankly, there's enough cynicism online to, I find appalling, quite frankly. Uh, but that's one thing that I, I do wish more people do. The, these the up and comers, the people that don't, don't get the press. I wish that they were able to get out there 
into the mainstream a little bit more. And I think pod, uh, Jason Beam's podcast is excellent at that, uh, showcasing people from all walks of life in the sport. And I, I do wish racetracks and, and whatever did a better job of that. And, I, I, you know, I think there's a lot of good people out there that need that need to have their time in the sun. Yeah. And not just trainers and jockeys. Guys that do the starting gate, right? Um, uh, you know, grooms. We can go on and on and on. Riders. Uh, so I know you agree with that, right? Yeah, they're dying to tell their story because you know this is you know that's that's what they live and breathe. So that they want to they want to talk, and you know a lot of the people that we've had on our podcast have been really eager to 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 join us. So appreciate and something we're very fortunate to to have tapped into. So all right, I think we've covered it. I I'm good. Yeah. Oh man, John Madden passed away. Oh, he did. Yeah, 85 years old. That's crazy. And and we've talked a lot about the NFL. But he was he was back in there in the day when the NFL was a lot of fun to me. The NFL's not quite as much fun. I'm, again, I grew up in the 80s, so I'm a bit nostalgic about a lot of things. I readily admit that. But that was a lot of fun during his era. He was there with Ken Stabler and uh, Blitnikoff and Lester Hayes. Well, he might Lester Hayes may have come after him with the stickum, all this, the cornerback that had all the interceptions. Uh, Man, how old but, are you? I'm 51, but I've got an old soul. I've got an old soul. Wow, you, I don't know any of those names. You know, the, the Earl Campbell era of the NFL, that was just, that was tremendous. He, he was a singer, right? He's a country singer, right? Earl Campbell? Yeah. He's like the greatest running back ever for the Houston Oilers. Oh, I'm thinking of uh, Who the hell guy, are you Rhinestone thinking? Cowboy. That's Glenn Campbell. That's oh. Glenn. <laughs> um. Hey, well, Earl Campbell was one of the is, funniest YouTube videos you'll ever see is when uh, Glenn Campbell and Don Rickles were on uh, Johnny Carson show and Glenn Campbell was high as a kite. Yeah. Just, he hit his issues. Google Glenn Campbell, Don Rickles. That, that I mean, is the greatest 20 minutes you'll ever see. Don Rickles is one of the funniest man ever. Number yeah. one. And uh, Glenn Campbell, most people don't know Glenn Campbell was with the beach boys briefly. You know that, right? I did not know that. As, as was, uh, no, uh, no, I'm thinking. What's it? Waylon Jennings. Waylon Jennings is a. I think Waylon Jennings gave up his. He was a beast seat. boy too. No, I don't think. I think Waylon Jennings gave up his seat uh, on the plane that killed Richie Valens, if I'm not mistaken. What? Uh, back in the 50s. Yeah, Waylon Jennings was supposed to be on that flight. If I I'm thought not it was mistaken. like. Wait a minute, who was on the flight? Buddy Holly. The Big Bopper. Big Bopper and Richie Valens. And Richie Valens. Waylon Jennings. I I didn't know that. I think Waylon James gave his seat up, something like that. But yeah, Glenn Campbell was like a backup, something to do with the Beach Boys. But you might be the only person on earth that got Glenn Campbell and Earl Campbell mixed up. They don't look <laughs> much alike. Uh, oh, by but, the way, one last thing. Twitter. Yes. Twitter. I know. I know Flightline is a three-year-old. He can't run in yes. the derby. I knew that before. I, do and people, I know Charlatan's people, been retired for a year now. Do people not understand sarcasm? I guess oh, they don't. Sarcasm is dead. 2021. Uh, my goodness. Uh, yes, but uh, we all – I understood that, but anyway. But I know you, so. All right, let's wrap this up. All right, that's all I have. Uh, we hope you lasted 90 minutes of the airing of grievances. Holy shit. The first annual airing of grievances. Uh, we want to wish everybody a happy new year. We hope you had a, an enjoyable Festivus. And, of course, a Merry Christmas. And on behalf of Alan Schneider and Brandon Jaggers, who's somewhere in Louisville, Trying to raise money, some type of campaign. MCC brought us, reminding you that gambling money ain't got no home. <laughs>